churches, the church universal, this vast body of people whose lives have been transformed forever by the good news of Jesus. More and more, Lord. Sometimes, and we were chatting about this last night, sometimes we can get really focused in on our own world and our own context. And, and the, the statistics that came out not long ago saying that Christianity is again declining in the United Kingdom. Actually, there's some really exciting stuff going on all over the place, isn't there, in the UK that we're aware of. We know there is stuff. We know the gospel is breaking down barriers and doing incredible stuff. But as I often tell my students at school, when they think just about their context, you go to other places in the world and it's set on fire. Hundreds and thousands of people for the first time ever hearing about the good news of Jesus. Let's believe, guys. God is not done with his church in the United Kingdom. God is not done with CCC. We're not here just counting the numbers and making sure everything goes all right until we quietly fade into the distance. No, we are going to make noise. We're going to share the great good news of Jesus. Right there, Ben? <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, um, let's just pray and then uh, I'll, I'll share with you some thoughts from this passage and then get out of the way and let the Spirit do what the Spirit wants to do. So, Father, as we turn once again to your words, uh, as we find in Mark, this, this compelling, this, this dramatic, this breathless account of your son's work here on earth. Maybe once again be set alight to shine in the darkness, to bring hope, to follow Jesus where he leads us, to walk in the way of the Christ. Lord, speak to us, we pray. Open our hearts and our minds. May your spirit move as you want to move. Amen. So Hannah yesterday beautifully uh, brought to us uh, that first section of Mark's gospel, uh, talking about John, that, that guy who had one foot in the past and one foot in the present and kind of transcended across that gap, that, that 400-year gap between the Old Testament prophecies and the coming of the one who was going to change everything. Hannah helped us to think about that core message of Jesus. Uh, now, certainly that the language of the, the, the text that talks about repent, it can, it can bring really kind of, I suppose, negative connotations to it, can't it? Repent, repent, repent. Someone point standing, point, not you, Jeezy, I'm scared of you. But, but yeah, 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 me, me too, absolutely. I'd be chief of sinners, as Paul says. Yeah, absolutely, chief of sinners. Repent, repent, repent. This idea that, we, you know, we're going to get smashed to pieces unless we repent. The, the Greek word is metanoia, uh, and the word means quite literally a complete change of mind, a complete change of worldview, a complete change at turning upside down. Um, it's linked really closely to this Jewish, uh, the Hebrew word teshuva, uh, which is used elsewhere in the scriptures. And what it means is, is quite literally turn around and come home. The great news that Jesus brings is come home to your father. Come home. Come follow me. Come home. And that's the best possible news we could share, isn't it? So uh, I, I really do believe that. I, I said something about this yesterday about, you know, we are on the threshold of the future. We're in what's called a liminal space where, where things are, are happening and yet we're not quite there yet. Jesus ushers in with him in this declaration, this idea that, that, that the kingdom of heaven is, is breaking into reality. The future has come. 
We are no longer stuck in the past. We are no longer without hope. We are no longer just counting down the days. But Jesus has come to set the world afire. The kingdom is here and now. It is breaking into our everyday reality. When Jesus preaches, repent and believe, he doesn't just talk it, he shows it. I love Mark, it is breathless. You read it and it's like, and then he did that, and then he did that, and then he did that, and then he did that. It's, it's why when you pick up a King James verse, version in Mark, you'll see virtually every sentence says, and then, and then, and then, because there's, there's no other way to translate the Greek. It is breathless stuff. Jesus is preaching it, but he's also doing it. And the really exciting thing here is he, we have this calling. I'm not going to be able to, to speak about the whole thing, otherwise we'll be here for far too long. But he goes from that, that first declaration, repent and believe the good news. Then he goes and finds a bunch of ordinary human beings and says, you're part of this. You're part of this plan. And then he goes out and he heals. And then he goes out and he heals some more. And then he, it's breathless stuff. Jesus knows what he's about. He knows who he is. He knows whose he is. And he does what he's called to do. Repent and believe. Jesus preaches it and he shows it. And I guess the question we need to ask ourselves whenever we encounter Jesus, whenever we read these stories, whenever we we experience the Lord... Do we live as if this stuff we read about is true? Do we really believe that this historical account we have isn't just history, but it's reality? That it's the kingdom of God happening here and now, and that's what his church is called to be. Is that what we truly believe or not? What really excites me again is this this stuff that, you know, Jesus doesn't seek out the high. He doesn't seek out the powerful. He seeks out a bunch of stinking fishermen. The lowest of the low. He seeks out those that everyone else has followed. I remember uh, reading an account of how, you know, if these guys were fishermen, and and let's be honest, they probably weren't, you know, the stained glass windows, the dudes with the great big white beards. They probably were teenagers, young adults who weren't smart enough to be pupils of rabbis, who weren't smart enough to be educated. They were were poor. They were were doing okay. They were fishing. But they weren't smart enough to be the great and the powerful and, and all that stuff. They were ordinary people just like you and me. And he chose them to help him follow his ministry and to fulfill his ministry and his mission. It's astonishing stuff. It's amazing stuff. We know from the nativity stories in Matthew and Luke that this is not what anybody expected to happen. A little baby born in a distant backwater, not in a palace, not to a great royal proclamation other than, those, of course, those angels proclaiming peace on earth. Jesus does the unexpected with those who we wouldn't expect anything from. And it all begins with the simplest of requests. The simplest and yet most profound. Come, follow me. It's an invitation to walk in the way of Jesus. That's our starting place. The invitation to follow. Jesus says, follow me. Walk in my way. 
There's a natural link here to what is said later in Matthew's gospel. In Matthew 11, in those famous words of, you know, take up my yoke and follow me. Eugene Peterson does a brilliant job with that, doesn't he? He says, come and walk with me in those unforced rhythms of grace. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. It doesn't matter where we are on the journey with our Lord and Saviour. And there are many of you who have been doing this for a lot longer than me and a lot better than I have ever done it. So please hear these words humbly. But Jesus calls us all to an apprenticeship. To learn from the Master. To walk in his way and to follow Because those two things sit really close together, don't they? He says, come follow me. And there's that word again. And I will make you fishers, men. Not just I'm going to give you a great self-help plan. You're going to feel great. You're going to feel warm and fuzzy. But come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus straight away makes it clear that he has called them. He is sending them to share the great good news of Jesus' kingdom crashing into our reality right now. His hope, his love, his transformation, his, his call to repentance, this complete transformation of our minds, complete transformation of everything that we are to follow the way of Jesus. We're invited to serve where we've been sent. As I ask you to think about your your fish and the people that God has called you to, that nagging sense that God wants you to do something is what we're all called to. We all have a vocation. We're called to follow, but we're called to the places that God has sent us to. Where is that nagging sense for you? Where is that place that you just can't get out of your head? Where is that group of people that that every time you think of them, your heart is set on fire? Because that's, that's where Jesus wants you to be. That's what Jesus is calling you to. Years ago, um, when I was... a uh, uh, a young trailblazer with the Sally Army. I did my uh, gap year and gap year, and spent uh, six transformative weeks at the end of it in Toronto with a guy called Jeff Ryan, who was just crazy, crazy guy. Um, he was utterly inspired by William Booth. I mean, William Booth was, yeah, there are many words to describe William Booth. He was an unstoppable force of nature. Not always sure it's what. God wanted him to do, but he, he, he was an unstoppable force of nature because he truly believed that the good news was too good to leave in the church. That it had to be out on the streets. It had to be out where the poorest were. It had to be in those places where the most broken had no hope. And Jeff, Jeff had sold his life to that as well. He had decided that he had to do what Jesus called him to do. So along with his wife, Sandra, he had gone to Russia in 1991 and helped to open the, the Salvation Army there. Against huge opposition and persecution. And even today, it's virtually impossible for any churches other than the Orthodox Church to thrive in Russia. And, and Jeff had had an, inc- an incredible experience and eventually it caused so much trouble that he'd been deported, which is hilarious, really. You know, Salvation Army officer in his uniform being kicked out of the country because he was on fire for Jesus. But he wrote a book and he used a phrase, and it may not be his, but he talked about the siren call of a dangerous God. 
the siren call of a dangerous God. Something we can't ignore. And we have a dangerous God who doesn't want us to sit comfortably on our backsides waiting for him to do all the work. He calls us to follow and he sends them. We don't know where this might lead us to. We don't know what it might lead us into, but we are going to follow. We have to trust and obey. Wherever Jesus goes, we've got to follow, even if that road leads us to the cross. Because beyond the cross comes so much more. Jesus then immediately exposes them to this new reality and the healings that he, he, he launches straight into. We see in verse 21, so we're in Mark 1 verse 21, uh, he drives out an evil spirit. In 29, he heals many. Um, in 40, a man with leprosy, he heals them. The disciples are exposed to the reality of the kingdom of God right there and then straight away. They don't complete three years of ministry training. They don't have to pass a certain test. They are thrown in the deep end straight away. He teaches with authority. There's this lovely passage in that first healing, um, verses um, 20. He says it a little bit earlier on, um, verse 22, but then also 27. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He teaches with authority, which is rooted in his identity. Hannah shared with us that yesterday, that, that sense of purpose and calling that Jesus knew who he was and whose he was and what his purpose was. And that's ours. We have that authority given to us. When he commissions the disciples at the end of the, the Gospels and at the beginning of Acts, he commissions the disciples and he says, I have given you all authority in heaven and on earth. You go in my name and nothing can stand against you. That's what we're called to. We are, our churches, our, our whole presence here is to be that pocket of the kingdom of God that is reaching outwards, constantly looking outwards to where God wants us to be and to serve. We're embassies of the kingdom. We proclaim the great good news and say, come and follow the one who changes everything. So we're called to follow into deeper relationship with the Father. We're, we're called into state, stillness. So in the midst of all this action, Jesus pauses. And it says, verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he played. He prayed. Everything else comes from that place. That deep commitment to intimacy with the Father into stillness, into recognizing that we can't do anything without the Spirit of God at work in us and through us. So we're called to follow. We're called to follow. We're called to depth of relationship with our Father, to dwell with the one who equips us with all we need to serve him faithfully. Later on, Jesus sends out his disciples to spread the good news. And we see in Acts onwards, as well as glimpses in the Gospels, of the incredible things these bunch of illiterate, smelly fishermen achieve. They quite literally transform the world. Within 300 years, the, the empire that once persecuted them and crucified them and threw them to animals has become a Christian empire. 
And boy, they get it wrong at times. But, but Jesus is Lord, proclaimed across an empire. Incredible things are achieved by these guys who give their heart to following Jesus. Again, this is rooted in the authority. We see Jesus modeling words matched with action. We who follow Jesus are given that authority. Jesus calls us, equips us, demands that we be fishers of men. All things are possible when we trust in the one who has sent us. So, Andy's just disappeared, so I'll carry on talking for a short while. Um, He did, didn't he? He did. So so here's here's the couple of things, and I hope I haven't gone on for too long. There's a a couple of things here to, to, to focus on, aren't there? The call to come and follow. I guess, you know, we're, we're all in a place where we've, we've dedicated our lives and, you know, we, we're in different places, aren't we, on this journey with Jesus. But the call is to come and follow. And I think it's great in a January, right at the very beginning, for all of us to say, I want to follow you, Jesus, wherever you lead me. I want that intimacy with you, with the Father, with the Spirit, to open up my life to you. So, come, Follow. But also, um, you know, that, that burning, nagging sense of you've got to do something. The Spirit's put that there and the Spirit's setting that on fire. And the Spirit's going to call you and the Spirit's going to equip you. So this might be the time, this might be the place that you start to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to go. To wherever it is. You know, it, it doesn't have to be that, that incredible work, the, the wonderful work that Dennis shared with us about, you know, the kind of stuff that Catherine is involved in, the incredible stuff Tim and Miranda do, the wonderful people that we support through CCC's fundraising and money and the way we do things like that. Um, we can sometimes glamorize mission as being that thing that happens overseas somewhere else, right? It's right here and it's right now. It's in our neighborhoods because Jesus came and dwelt amongst us. That hood. He set up his tents amongst us. So, so who is it that Jesus is calling you to? What places? Those places are probably the places he's already got you. And then just to, just to link us back again to what Sue shared with us on uh, Friday evening. Courage. Um, and I, I, we were chatting just a moment, just before, weren't we, um, about the, there was a song that I remember. And it had a great tune to it, which is probably why I liked it in the Sally Army days. Um, and I don't know if it, was, if it was beyond the Sally Army or not. But it says this, courage, brother, do not stumble. Though your path be dark as night, there's a star to guide the humble. Trust in God and do the right. Let the road be rough and dreary and its end far out of strife, sight. Foot it bravely, strong or weary. Trust in God, trust in God, trust in God. And do the right. You do not step out on your own. The Spirit's already out there. The Spirit's out there like Jesus saying, come on, come and follow. Come and follow. Come and follow. That's enough of me.